Scanning the field, throwing over the middle. It's caught at the fifth home. Diami Brown, he'll take it to the house for the touchdown. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. That was the call on Fox of the game-tying touchdown grab by Deami Brown. And the more I watch that replay, the more I smile because Sam Howell just stood strong in that pocket, had really no wide receivers open, but he he fit the ball into like the tiniest window. And uh, it was awesome. Deami Brown and Howell have been trying to connect all season long. Been unsuccessful. Brown had a few uh, few plays where he could have had a touchdown grab with a one hand, but this one goes up with two hands, sure hands it, makes the grab, and ru- sprints into the end zone for the game-tying touchdown grab. You can call in right now, 833-804-0910, or you can tweet us at AWOD Radio. Our buddy Trevor tweets us, Happy Monday, AWOD, Stub. He says, I believe the Commanders lost this game because of the penalties they had near the end of the fourth quarter and Rivera's terrible clock management. He doesn't know when to call timeout. Yeah, I mean, look, it was a fourth down play in which Benjamin St. Juice got called for pass interference. And uh, the reason I'm not really arguing against that is because I thought it was pass interference. You know, when I watch Benjamin St. Juice, he always seems to grab with his left hand the outside of the receiver's, you know, jersey, and then uses that to swing his right hand inside and knock the ball down. I think that's pass interference every single time. You're not going to get called for it sometimes, but you will in critical moments, either with the game on the line or a fourth down there um, in the fourth quarter. So it's frustrating, uh, but I think it's more on Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, the fact that they did not help the defense out enough in the offseason. The two weakest links in my mind on this team in terms of position groups were secondary, or I'd say maybe secondary slash linebacker, and offensive line. And the secondary and the offensive line are not enough improved this season. The quarterback play is better. Uh, I think you're getting more from both running backs. Uh, wide receiver play is taking a step back. Maybe you're getting more from your tight end, though. Uh, but, man... The secondary and the offensive line have been the biggest two issues for the Commanders this season. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. What were your observations from the Commanders' road defeat to the Seahawks 29-26? 833-804-0910. Time to get to AWOD's 10 takeaways and observations from the loss here on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for the phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. All right, like I said, phone lines are open. Give me your observations, 833-804-0910. But first, let's hear from quarterback Sam Watts, or excuse me, quarterback one Sam Howell on taking control of the football game. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, obviously we kind of, we did some good things there at the end, but I thought, you know, for the most part, our defense played a good game and we had plenty of opportunities for us to take control of that football game and we didn't make the plays that were needed. I think, you know, the game was kind of tied there for a little while and, you know, it was, it was we were just kind of waiting 
Um, it just seemed like we were waiting. Someone was going to take control of the game, and, and they kind of took control of it. Um, and I thought our defense kept us in the game, and we just got to find ways when, when the game is tied to go out there and make the plays that take control of the football game. And obviously, you know, you don't want to be in a position where we got to go down and make a drive late to, to tie the game. You know, we'd like to be on the other side. Um, so, you know, credit to our defense for most of the game, just keeping us in it. Um, we made some plays down the stretch, but got to be better throughout the game to, to beat good teams like that. He sounds like a leader. Sounds like a franchise quarterback. He took the blame on himself like a true champion. That's why my first takeaway is I, I'm so proud of Sam Howell. He's my quarterback one. Like Michael Phillips said, he's done everything you need for uh, you need your quarterback to do. He totally deserves to be the starting quarterback next season and, and hopefully um, for the foreseeable future. It's the defense that has let this team down. But Sam Howell with a really good performance, another fourth quarter comeback drive 312 yards on the game three touchdown passes and uh, again limited the sacks to three uh, I thought one of them there was no way he was getting away from that it was just a terrible play by Andrew Wiley and then um, the other sacks you know I'll give the Seahawks some credit they have a good defense and they had a good blitz scheme on the other two takeaway number two Brian Robinson he's just getting better and better I mean you think about it here Six catches for 119 yards, and some of these catches were just unbelievable, like one-handed snags or his, his momentum's going one way, he grabs the ball going the other way, and then puts his foot in the dirt and just gets on a sprint upfield. He averaged 20 yards every time they threw it to him and uh, had, of course, that 51-yard touchdown grab in the first quarter. And that was a really nice play from Sam Howell, keep the play alive. You know, moving his feet, getting out of the pocket. And then I love the, you know, the Robinson Jr., uh, the mindset there that, hey, if my quarterback's on the run, I'm going to try to leak out a little bit, keep my feet in bounds, right, and just go up that sideline. And that's exactly what he did. And uh, I thought he was good running the ball as well. Eight carries for 38 yards, 4.8 average. I would have liked for them to run it more. Uh, but I have nothing against uh, Eric Bieniemy's play calling because I thought it was impressive. I thought uh, he did a lot of swing passes that are basically the same as running the ball. So only they only carried the ball 14 times and threw it um, 44, right? But I think I would say about six or seven of those throws were basically an extension of the run game, and so I have no problem with that at all. And they were able to run it in the fourth quarter and the second half when it matters most. Takeaway number three, Tress Way. Special teams player of the week last week did it again. I mean, he saved us from multiple bad snaps on punts and on field goals. The announcers were talking about it. The one in which uh, Joey Sly knocked down in the second half, Tress Way had to catch it from the dirt, line it up, swing the laces while Joey Sly's getting ready to boot it. I mean, it's just so tough. Cameron Cheeseman's snaps have been an issue all season long, but Tress Way has, has done such a good job catching and holding the ball uh, that Tr Cheeseman has kept his job. So he deserves a lot of credit, does Tress Way. Takeaway number four, I think the defense really misses Montez Sweat and Chase Young, right? I mean, I, th I think you all have to argue that, right? This was a game in which Geno Smith had one sack for zero yards. He was back at the line of scrimmage by the time I believe uh, Jonathan Allen took him down uh, and will get credit with the sack there. But not enough pressure along the outside, and there were a few screen passes that Seattle did that I thought Chase Young and Montez would have eaten up. Instead, Ken, uh, James Smith-Williams missed on, on one tackle, and uh, the other guys were not in the right position to make a play. So, look, 
I get it why we traded these guys. It's for the future. We're building for the future here, and, and I'm going to appreciate those draft picks um, come this offseason when it's not Ron Rivera selecting these guys. Uh, but I really think Washington probably wins that game with Montez and Chase Young, which is kind of disappointing to say. Takeaway number five, David Mayo might be the slowest linebacker ever. I mean, my goodness. It's just it's embarrassing watching him go around the field. He did make one or two plays in the running game, and that's where you can kind of totally understand why they put him in the lineup. But against the pass, he's just so slow. Uh, Doc Walker said it best. If he's playing significant minutes, you've already lost. You lost in the offseason. Takeaway number six, Benjamin St. Juice seems to always pass interfere, right? It's almost every single play in my mind. Uh, he's not like a guy that can just stick with you because he's got good feet or he's got good speed or he's got the football IQ. He uses his size and his length, which I understand, right? That's what you're taught to do when you're when you're that big and, and you have the wingspan to kind of push a guy and, and to get in front of some passes and, and get some deflections there. But he uses his length to cheat. I really do think that it's a loophole thing with Benjamin St. Juice where he could be called in pass interference almost every single play. It happened a ton last season. It's starting to creep back again this year. Takeaway number seven is Sam Howell having marbles to have another great comeback drive for the tie. You got to win games like that when your quarterback makes big-time throws and big-time moments. But the issue was Ron Rivera. The time management doesn't make any sense to me, all right, because he calls back-to-back -back timeouts there on the final drive, and if he doesn't call those timeouts, maybe Seattle only has... 20 seconds, 30 seconds, or 40 seconds to get the, down the field and get a game-winning uh, field goal. But Ron Rivera's time management was an issue again. How do you call timeout after an incomplete pass? You had all the time in the world to call the right play. Takeaway number nine, officials ejecting Manuel Forbes, I think actually was definitely a leading factor for Washington losing this game. We didn't have enough depth to give somebody else a chance to go against DK Metcalf. Not that I think Forbes would have been better than Benjamin St. Juice, but I think he would have been better than Danny Johnson on Tyler Lockett and on the tight ends. Uh, it's frustrating that it seems like the NFL always seems to come down hard on commanders players, but not on the opposing team when they knock our guy out, right? So think about this. This year, Logan Thomas got knocked out of a game with a concussion. The guy was allowed to play the rest of the game. Emmanuel Forbes hits Tyler Lockett. He goes out for one play, but Forbes is ejected. That's just not fair. Takeaway number 10, when my quarterback plays well, it's not as devastating to lose, right? I didn't think it was. It was a heartbreaking fashion, but I wasn't, like, heartbroken last night after the game when I was driving home after watching with my dad. I was disappointed. I was upset. And I feel like I was let down by Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. But there's just so much good to take away from the way Sam Howell played. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. You can join me every Monday throughout the end of football season. Take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. Help it up, it up. It's AWOD. You're on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105-1 FM. Week 10 in the NFL concludes tonight with a decent Monday night football game as the Denver Broncos, who are 3-5 but currently on a two-game win streak behind quarterback Russell Wilson, 
travel to Orchard Park, New York, Highmark Stadium, the home of Bills Mafia, the 5-4 and four Buffalo Bills with a big home game against the Broncos as they try to avenge their loss last week to the Bengals. And in fact, the Bills have lost two of their last three and three of their last five. This is a team that was 3-1 and one, but has kind of stumbled against the Jags, Patriots, and Bengals in their last five games with wins against the Giants and the Bucks squeezed in between. So that's a good Monday night football game tonight. We'll preview that a little bit later, but it's time to go around the NFL right now here on NFL Hits. Season matchup. Every head coach on the hot seat. The hit stories in the NFL. NFL Hits on A1 Radio. And we start with Sunday night football. Last night, Raiders and Jets, a really good defensive battle. And uh, Zach Wilson made a, a, a ton of really good plays for the Jets, but seems to be all season long when it matters most, he has a key mistake, a disaster play that cost the Jets. And uh, Jets fans are praying that Aaron Rodgers can make it back before the end of this season. But it was... Linebacker Robert Spillane, who made the major play for the Raiders and their um, coach, Antonio Pierce, in his second game as a Raiders coach, is now 2-0 as the coach of the Raiders after Spillane picks off Zach Wilson for a big interception in the fourth quarter. Here's the call on KRLV. Shotgun to Wilson. Five-step drop. Dumps it short. And it's picked off Spillane at the 15, 30, 35. Chase down from behind at the 40. Robert Spillane with his third pick of the year. And the defense does it again. What's so impressive about that play is that he was playing zone and he was just watching the quarterback's eyes, watching Zach Wilson go through his reads. And he started slowly moving to the left, moving to the left, and then jumped that route and had the game-winning interception. Giants and Cowboys, a blowout as the Cowboys get past the Giants 49-17. Dak Prescott, a 400-yard, four-touchdown performance as he completes this 41-yard play to Michael Gallup for the touchdown. Here's the call on KRLD. Snap to Prescott, well protected, deep down the right side. Gallup in the end zone, he caught it. Touchdown to Michael Gallup. What a throw and what a catch. 41 yards. It really was an awesome day of NFL action. If you were watching Red Zone, you saw multiple game-winning plays, uh, including the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray in his first start of the season coming back to defeat Taylor Heineke and the Atlanta Falcons as Kyler Murray, on a key third down, ran about 30 yards backwards before scrambling forwards to pick up that third and 10 and getting his team into field goal position as it was Matt Prater sinking this 23-yard fielder field goal to help the Cardinals defeat the Falcons 25-23. Here's the call on KTAR. The snap's good. The ball's down. The kick is up. And the kick is good. And the Cardinals win it. 25-23. Chargers, Lions. I mean, that might have been the game of the weekend. I didn't have it as my certified game of the week. I thought the Lions would kind of cruise to victory, even though the Chargers are much better 
than their record, which was four and four, and now is four and five after Jared Goff tosses two touchdown passes, 333 yards, but it was David Montgomery, 9.7 yards per rush attempt, 116 yards on the game, one touchdown, including a 75 yard touchdown run that helped get the Lions into field goal range to set up Riley Patterson, 41 yarder at the buzzer. Here's the call on WXYT. There it is, Fox the hold, Patterson the kick. It is up and it is good, he got it. That's a victory for the Lions on the final play of the game. One of the coolest stories of the NFL this season is the former Tennessee Volunteer quarterback, Josh Dobbs. Stubb, we talked about this last week. When he started the season with the Browns, and then he went to the Arizona Cardinals, had a good victory over the Dallas Cowboys, and then he got traded to the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings are in desperate need of a starting quarterback because Kirk Cousins was lost for the year. Now Josh Dobbs has led them to two straight victories, including a really good win over a New Orleans Saints team, and that win gives Vikings the final wild card spot right now. If the playoffs would begin today, Josh Dobbs would be playing in a playoff game for the Minnesota Vikings. He had 268 yards passing and one touchdown, but he also ran one into the end zone. Here's the call on KFAN as the Vikings defeat the Saints 27-19. to Dobbs out of the shotgun on third down. Cam Jordan got around the right tackle. Dobbs looks, sees nothing. Now he runs out to the left. He points to somebody. Turns to the five. To the end zone. Touchdown! Incredible! The Baltimore Ravens had a fourth quarter lead. But then Deshaun Watson and the Browns scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. And it was former Commanders kicker Dustin Hopkins at the buzzer giving Cleveland a 33-31 win. Here's the call on ESPN 850 in Cleveland. Here's the snap. It's a good one. The hold is good. The kick is on its way, end over end, and it is good, but there's a flag on the field. Hold everything. I think it's going to be Kyle Hamilton jumping over, and it looked like he made contact with the Brown trying to do the Miles Garrett. We'll see. Yeah. The kick was good. It's 33-31 for the moment. And let's see if it's 33-31 for eternity. It looks like it. Joel Batonio celebrating. Yeah, the Browns are celebrating. Fouls for illegal leverage. Field goal will count. This will end the game. And that will end the ball game. The Browns have won it 33-31. They've come from behind. Steelers, Packers, Steelers offense continues to struggle. But it does not matter. Their defense comes up clutch as Jordan Love, 289 yards, passing two touchdowns, but two turnovers, including this one that helped the Steelers escape with a 23-19 win. Here's the call on WDVE. Here's the snap. He's back. He looks. He fires for the goal line. Intercepted. And that is Casey running up the sideline. This game's over. The Pittsburgh Steelers on the pass intended to Watson. You heard Michael Phillips on his show talk about the Odyssey NFL Survivor Pool. He went Bengals. I went Bengals with my pick on FanDuel, but it was C.J. Stroud, the impressive rookie, leading the Texans after they failed to score in the first quarter but then had 10 points in the second, 10 points in the third, and 10 in the fourth as Matt Amendola sinks this 38-yarder with zeros on the clock as the Texans escape 
and claim victory against the Cincinnati Bengals. A big win for Houston and C.J. Stroud, 30-27. to Here's the call on KILT. Here's the snap. Here's the spot. Here's the kick. Plenty of leg, and it's good. The Texans walk off with a win. Yes, Cincinnati. They take it, 30 to 27. Matt Amendola at the buzzer. Colts and former VCU Ram turned NFL tight end Mo Ali Cox gets the win in Germany, 10 to 6 over the New England Patriots. That's NFL Hits here on AWOD Radio. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. There was a trend in the NFL yesterday with game-winning kicks and game-winning plays, and the commanders were on the wrong end of it as the Seattle Seahawks and Myers kicks it into the end zone through the uprights and the Seahawks claim victory against the Commanders 29-26. to Joining me right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Commanders beat reporter for Sports Illustrated and the host of Locked On Commanders, David Harrison. What's going on, David? What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm not as heartbroken by the defeat because of the fact that Sam Howe played so well and led the Commanders on a final drive to tie the game. You know, if Sam Howe struggled on that final drive or threw an interception... I think I'd be a lot more pissed off today. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it certainly makes things a little bit easier to, to digest when you can look at a young quarterback and have some confidence that, you know, moving ahead, uh, whether it's this season or the future, you know, beyond this season, that you've, you've at least, you know, you have a guy uh, that you can potentially win with. So that certainly, you know, it certainly makes things a little bit easier. Let's start with the Emmanuel Forbes play in which he was ejected. Yeah. Um, what was your viewpoint on that and observations? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I personally I didn't think that it, it rose to the level uh, where it warranted an ejection. I think it's certainly, um, you know, penalty worthy. I mean, he obviously made helmet to helmet contact, but I, you know, looking at the play in real time and then even in the replays, it didn't appear to me that Emmanuel was trying to inflict any, you know, serious damage. He was attempting to make a football play and, and you know, just was, was coming in too hot, too high. Um, and, and didn't adjust in time. However, you know, also looking at it, you can you can say that there's a reasonable expectation for an athlete of, of NFL caliber to be able to change the target, change the trajectory, you know, uh, instead of lowering your head uh, to finish the contact, you know, try to do something to change that angle. And, and I think ultimately that's probably what the NFL, uh, you know, used to make their decision. Um, I know I know that the, the official, the officiating uh, official that was, Interview by Nikki Javala um, basically said as such. It wasn't a bang-bang play. It was a play where they felt the player had time uh, to change the result, and he chose not to. Therefore, they ejected him. And, you know, I know a lot of Commanders fans uh, took, you know, took offense to it because you look at the hit that Kareem Jackson put on Logan Thomas in Week 2 that didn't warrant uh, an ejection or even a suspension, and then you look at that hit, and they're, and they're completely night and day. But I will, you know, kind of – and I did on my own show, my own show I kind of reiterated – what Dean Blandino said on the on the Fox broadcast, which is that since that Kareem Jackson hit in week two, we've seen the NFL in season in real time kind of take this new approach of being more strict on the legislation of those rules and ejecting multiple players from then uh, from week two to now. You know, it doesn't change the differences between the two hits, and certainly when when you're a witness to both of those, it, it feels like a 
uh, an uneven, you know, uh, level of justice. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a sign that the NFL is taking steps in the right direction to, to protect the players. And, you know, per, and personally, I'm for it. You know, obviously the circumstances aren't preferable, but I'm, I'm for that level of, of protection moving forward. And I feel like in the offseason, we'll probably see the NFL make some things more official and more black and white. But I'm happy that the, the league is choosing to not wait till next offseason to do something like this because that's how important I, I think that that kind of health uh, circumstance is for, for the players. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And, you know, it, I don't think it really changed the outcome that much. I mean, it, it's hard to say that Emmanuel yeah. Forbes would have done better than Benjamin St. Juiced when uh, he had been struggling and benched a couple weeks prior to this. But Sam Howell leads the Commanders on a fourth quarter uh, drive to tie the game, and then the defense couldn't get a stop. I mean, what were your yeah. thoughts on that final drive there? I didn't like the play designed by Jack Del Rio on the four, third and four play uh, where he blitzed and let them throw hot to DK Metcalf. And I, I just felt like they didn't do a good enough job of knowing your personnel. You have to know the Seahawks, when the game is on the line, want to go to DK Metcalf, and the defense didn't understand that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, part of the problem is that, you know, if, if Jack uses a four-man rush and plays his own, uh, or a man covers behind it, it's not working. If he gets aggressive, it's not working uh, behind it either. I mean, at the end of the day, they gave up uh, seven explosive plays to that Seahawks uh, offense, you know, throughout that game. And, and those seven plays came on six different drives, and those six different drives produced 22 points. I mean, that's, that's, that's a killer. You know what I mean? Like, that's going to kill any team. Uh, and obviously, the late-game ones stand out more than anything. And, you know, that's, that's the burden – uh, of the leader, like Jack Del Rio might be able to, if, if given the opportunity, turn on the tape and stand there with a, with a marker and say, listen, here's the call, here's the responsibility, here's where the player didn't do their job. But at the end of the day, and, and he knows this better uh, than, you know, than most people, uh, he's responsible for the product on the field. You know what I mean? And, and it's, we're going on four years now where the conversation has been guys aren't doing their job and guys are playing out of position and guys aren't doing this and they're not doing that. But at the end of the day, again, going back to that, you're, you're responsible for what those guys are doing and, whether it's the message that needs to change or the messenger that needs to change. Uh, I said as such on my post-game episode, something's got something's to give. You know what I mean? Something's got to change in the defense, um, and so far it hasn't. And, you know, that's why I think so many people have such a low level of confidence that it can change for the remainder of the season. Uh, that's, that's to be told. But, you know, at the end of the day, nobody, uh, nobody's really, you know, accepting uh, the same old explanations or excuses, however you want to view it. And, you know, and I know for a fact that, Coach Del Rio is, is tired of answering the same questions every week, but, you know, it's got to it's gotta be done on the field, and, and that's the only time that these questions are going to end. And one good game uh, against the New England Patriots where you give up two explosives, followed up by a game where you give up uh, seven the, the following week is, is not acceptable. No, it's not. And um, the defensive line also did not have a great game, and I kind of feel like Washington wins this game with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Now, I know that's probably an unpopular opinion, uh, but they just didn't get enough pressure, and they weren't good enough against the run. There were a few screen passes uh, that Seattle took and, and got a big play off of where I thought, hey, Montez or Chase would have done a better job of reading that than James Smith-Williams. What did you think of the defensive line's performance? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not getting home as, as much as you would want it to, you know, and, and whether or not they would have won, with Chase and Montez, that's, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's going to be left up to everybody's opinions and it's, it's unprovable either way, but you can certainly understand why anybody would, would potentially think that, especially when you see, you know, uh, Montez Sweat getting a good amount of pressures on Thursday night, didn't get any sacks, but 
was getting some pressure on the quarterback and the chase young coming up with a couple of hits and a half a sack for the 49ers in his debut. And, and, you know, you look at this game and say, well, if you get half a sack, two quarterback hits and five pressures uh, from your defensive end, maybe that game uh, certainly changes. And, and that's certainly, you know, that's certainly part of it. But at the end, at the end of the day, again, you look at the history of it. And when you're talking about, uh, you know, a coach whose, whose job it is to dictate the defense and get them in the best position possible to win, you know, they've been there for the better part of the last three and a half seasons. And, and the results weren't much better than what we saw uh, in week 10. So, you know, going back to accountability and responsibility, you, you can't look at it and, and say, well, you know, when you, when you had the opportunity to, to thrive with pieces, now that they're gone, you can't use that as an excuse of why you're still not thriving. Uh, you you got to find a way to mix it up. I do actually like the increase in aggression. The problem is that's not something they've really uh, worked on a whole lot, which means you're putting players behind that aggressive pass rush, maybe some blitzes uh, in positions they haven't had to do in real, in real time, and that's going to cause problems uh, as, as they go through growing pains for that. But that might be the only way you can manufacture a pass rush with this set of Washington defenders. David Harrison with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Uh, read his work for Locked On Commanders and writing for Sports Illustrated online. Follow him on social media, dharrison82. What are your thoughts on Benjamin St. Juice? Because I've just lost it with him today. Like I, I think he fouls every single play. When I watch him, he uses his size and his, and his length mm-hmm. to basically kind of like look for a loophole in the NFL where – He's always wrapping one hand around the body to kind of help kind of launch himself at the ball. And you could call, in my mind, you could call a pass interference every single play, and it came back to bite us on fourth down. Yeah, he's a, he's a very grabby defender. He's, he's always been a grabby defender. Going back to his days in Minnesota, I remember uh, watching his, his tape and, and doing some study on him when he was coming out uh, for the NFL draft. And even at the Senior Bowl, you know, you could see uh, those things. He kind of reminds me. In some ways, a lot of Carlton Davis out there in Tampa and, and Buccaneers fans will tell you that he's got really great games and he's got games where he gets flagged, you know, three, four times a game and it just gets incredibly frustrating. I actually almost, I actually looked at Benjamin St. Juice coming out of college and thought he might be a candidate to potentially uh, transition somewhere uh, to like a free safety position, more of a cover safety kind of guy where he can get a little bit of a head start, kind of play that cloud coverage more often than not or, or play downhill where he doesn't need to worry about staying in a guy's hip. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is I actually don't, I don't place as much, I don't say blame, but, you know, the, when you look at Benjamin St. Juice and specifically the, the, the growth that he experienced last year, honestly, I think his defense is really suffering from the loss of Chris Harris uh, more than anything yeah. else. I think we're really seeing the value that Chris Harris brought to this coaching staff last year. Well, that's a good point. Jack Del Rio just not really coaching up the defense. I, I feel like he's not making a big enough impact on these guys' individual development. Uh, David, always good stuff when I have you on the show, man. Thanks a ton. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. You can be the quarterback or GM of this segment, 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Take an extended lunch break. If you got a case of the Mondays, you deserve it. I'm live and local until 3 p.m. <clears throat> before I hand it off to Grant and Danny. But here on a misery Monday, 
I'm all in on Sam Howe. I, I couldn't be more in on Sam Howe. And according to John Kime of ESPN, since week four, Howell is tied with Dak Prescott for an NFL high 14 touchdown passes. He's tied for 17th most interceptions in that same span with four. And he's the only quarterback among those with at least 10 touchdown passes during this stretch to have played seven games. No one else has played more than six. He has been impressive. So I'm all in on Sam Howe. In on Howe. I'm all in on Brian Robinson, right? I mean, I'm all in on Brian Robinson, the running back and the pass catcher. I, I really think that Eric Bieniemy has figured out how good of an athlete Brian Robinson is. Like, if you get this guy in space, he can run over easy, run over people easily. I am all in on Jonathan Allen, right? I mean, look, the pass rush has been an issue since we traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young, but Jonathan Allen uh, got his uh, sack on Sunday, although I thought the defensive line didn't play great. thought Jonathan Allen made a few big plays. And I'm all in on Tress Way, right? The amazing job he did catching and setting up the field goal for Joey Sly, uh, another couple good punts, including one where he had to jump and make the catch over his head. Could have been a safety, uh, but Tress Way is Mr. Reliable. Guys, I'm out on. I'm out. Out on Benjamin St. Juice. He's just doing nothing. He's doing nothing for me. I'm out on David Mayo. I'm so out on watching slow David Mayo run across the field and be five yards behind a tight end or a running back. There were two third down plays in which David Mayo was guarding a crossing route, and he was four steps behind the guy that caught it and got the easiest first down ever. I'm out on former first-round pick Jahan Dotson, who doesn't seem he can catch the ball anymore, and I'm so out on Andrew Wiley, the right tackle, who is just he gets burnt way too often. And then NFL officiating. I, I'm so out on the NFL for removing Emmanuel Forbes in the first quarter of a close game because of a bang-bang play in which he did not headhunt at all. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Uh, let's go to line two. Looks like we got our buddy D. Woods on the line once again. What's going on, D? What's going on, Adam? How are you, buddy? I'm I'm not uh, I'm not heartbroken, really. I mean, Sam Howe played so well that I'm I'm frustrated that we lost, but I'm not devastated. Yeah, you know, the only person I think that was more on the Sam Howe uh, train or bandwagon more than you was probably me. I love the guy. Did I ever tell you how much I love this kid? Uh, I turned full circle on him, man. This is, I am enjoying everything that I see out of him week to week. That play that he made, what well, the two plays he made to be robbed. Yesterday, both times where they were broken down on those screens, that was amazing. And I told you, by the way, two weeks ago, I said, Eric Bieniemy has to get B-Rob out into space. I said, Gibby, keep Gibby inside the tackles. Gibby's very, uh, a little bit more shifty than B-Rob is. But B-Rob, if you get him in the space, he's going to do his thing. He's going to truck over people. I love what I saw between the two of them yesterday. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But let's circle back to Sam Howe for a second here because really that's all that matters this season. We didn't have a Super Bowl contending roster. Uh, we probably don't even have a playoff roster because we have terrible coaching from Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera. But we've been searching for our franchise quarterback for my entire lifetime. And I feel like we really have our guy with Sam Howe. You were not all the way in on him a few weeks ago. So what has kind of changed your mind? What has flipped in your mind about Sam Howe? 
I, I told you, I told you last week. I said the guy has moxie. I, he just he he has the ability to come back. Now we always we can think back to Taylor Heineke, right? Everybody said Taylor Heineke, even John Allen says Taylor Heineke has it. I don't, I didn't, I don't see it from Taylor Heineke. I see it now when I watch Sam Howell play. The kid just keeps coming back. We were talking about it yesterday. You said, can can he bring us back down? And I, without even hesitating, said, I think the kid could do it. I, I, I had I had all the faith in the world that he was going to lead us down to a touchdown. You know, the, the one person that I do not have faith in, and I, I didn't even say this, uh, as, as I make a quick adjustment, is Joey Sly. I can't stand the guy. I mean, yeah. what are we paying him for to hit the, hit the upright and, and bounce things off and, and miss field goals every week? What are we doing here? We, we, we put ourselves in the position to lose that game yesterday, and Sam Howell, and Sam Howell McLaurin, and B-Rob did everything they could yesterday to try to get us to win, and we, and we failed them. No, no, you're so right about that. I mean, I felt like we were playing catch-up the whole game, chasing that one point with Sly missing the opening extra point. Kind of hurt the momentum from the early touchdown as well as then you give up a field goal, and oh yeah, it's a field goal game when it should have been a four-point game. And I even think it changes the final drive of the game, right? If the Seahawks get the ball down by one, right, then there, there are a little bit more nerves there in Geno Smith and the play calling from Pete Carroll. They're playing for, hey, if we fail here, we'll just go to overtime. And I think that changed the game. I agree. So I think I think we uh, – I, I hear John Allen, uh, of course, on, on the junction on, in the morning uh, talk about every play counts. People don't understand in any sport – Every play counts. It does not come down to one play, right? So you think about the fact that we missed that field goal early. And as you said, we're playing catch-up the entire rest of the game. And, and it changes it changes the way you call plays. It changes what you do in crunch time. By the way, Ron Rivera did his old Ron Rivera bit yesterday. He went back to not knowing how to use timeouts. I don't know what's going on with this guy. Well, he I don't know what he does in the summertime at Pebble Beach, but he needs somebody that can tell him – how to uh, properly use a timeout. And, and we put ourselves in a position that we were first forced, I should say, to, uh, to, to kind of play catch-up, as you said. And it didn't work out for us because our defense is just – we're just not good, a We're just not good right. on defense. Well, that's what kind of drives me crazy. Like, I, I can handle losing because Sam Howe played so well. What I can't handle – is seeing the defense give up 29 points, 31 points, you know, 24 points every single week. This is an offense that scored 18.9 points per game last year. They've been scoring a lot more than that and not winning games, and that is what's driving me crazy, right? We are, we are putting ourselves in position to win games and then not winning them because of the defensive side of the ball, and that was supposed to be the elite side of the ball, and once again, you know, Jack Del Rio's defense has taken a step back. He does this every other year, yeah. right? They play really well, and then they take I a agree. step back. And his and and you know I, what it is I, I, that was know, so I frustrating, played. D. It was the schemes. Like when he blitzes, everybody on the planet knows he's blitzing, and they can easily throw a hop. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he should have had he should have had a one way ticket on Spirit back home yesterday. I would have made I would have made him stop in uh, Amaretto, Texas. I mean, just give me some Podunk Town in Tennessee. I would have flown him to every Podunk Town before he got back to Ashburn yesterday. He would have been on the first one smoking with a with a with a pink uh, a pink slip uh, if I was Ron Rivera. I don't understand what we're doing here. Why we're keeping him on? You, I agree with you a thousand percent. Benjamin St. Juice, I, I could take him or leave him. That guy 
he uh, all he's a he cheater. Knows how to he's do a cheater. Is, oh, he, right. Yes. yes. He wasn't taught no, how to play football oh, normally, right? He wasn't taught, like, he didn't grow up playing football, it looks like. It looks like a guy that grew up playing no. basketball or something that's trans transferring to the sport here because he's athletic. Yeah, exactly. And then all he's doing is he's dancing every time. Every time that he, he every time a wide receiver misses a catch that he had no impact on, he's dancing around, he's, he's strapping up. Save that for winning. You know, I said this yesterday. I, I, I love John Allen. I'm over all the I'm over, I'm over all the rah rah. I'm over, I'm over all the dancing. I want to win. Can we get a team that comes out here and consistently win? That's what I'm looking for every Sunday. Absolutely. D. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, I have a question. Who drives faster and more in a weekend, Max Verstappen or Eric Bickle? <laughs> Hey, why does EB have a problem with Coach EB, right? I- I'm so sick and tired of all the people on social media, these keyboard warriors, that are they're questioning the offensive coordinator week in and week out. When the team, like I said, we're scoring seven more points per game basically this year. The offense is not the issue. Keep Eric Bieniemy's name out your goddamn mouth. Can't stand it. Drives me crazy. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back.